Ronnie again says hello, just a kind person. And Ooh. then everyone's just quiet, and Ronnie's like, you know, I have the feeling the food will be just delicious. And everyone just kind of looks at him and is like, shut up, dude. What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to keep my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. I am not on this quest alone, however. This week, I am once again joined by multi-hyphenated artist Bobby Hedgling-Taylor. Now, this is actually me, Ankit, in the future, way after we recorded this, because Ankit from the past completely forgot that he had to end the last episode and start up this episode. So we're just going to jump straight back into where we left off in our conversation with Bobby last week. And the last thing that we know is that Rose is smitten by the professor. So let's go find out what happens. So we're at the opera. All the ladies are in the powder room and Ron and Cosmo meet at the bar. And I'm like, oh, goody, strap in. And then we see a painting with lots of colors and some instruments. There are reds and yellow swirls all around. Someone looks like they're coming out of a tree or something. With, like, a violin next to it. We learn that the artist is Mark Kegel, or Kaggle. I don't actually remember how to pronounce his name. Apparently, he's a great artist. Kaggle. That's all the information we get about it. So, that's all the information I have for you. So, well done, Mark. And Loretta likes parts of it, but doesn't get it. And that sounds like me with modern art. <laughs> I don't get it. I respect it. I don't get it. So, and then... Cosmo's date says that you haven't said you like my dress once. Cosmo likes it, but is looking all around, calls it very bright. And we then see a man with the xylophone play a few notes, and the music blends into the next scene. And we have Rose and the Professor leaving the Grand Ticino together. Uh oh. So the Professor asks if he can walk with Rose, and he walks her home. The old man is out with his dogs, and he's saying something in Italian. I don't know what he's saying. Do you? Guardale la bella luna. Is a, he said something else. I, I think it means don't pull when they're pulling on the leash. Um, so okay, okay. Dogs. But the, 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 when they're howling, that's earlier in the movie than he says. Yeah. But uh, I can't remember exactly what the, the, the words were off the top of my head. No worries. So, yeah. As Rose and the professor are walking, Rose takes the professor's arm and Rose keeps stealing glances at the professor. Not very subtle, but I don't think she's really trying to be. She's like, who is this man I've been taken by? And, oh, look at that. They all meet on a street corner. The old man doesn't look happy. He doesn't say anything. He walks away and Rose looks worried. Fair enough. It's the father-in-law. And we're back at the opera. These are all a bunch of, like, small, quick scenes that, like, lay seeds for what happens later. Which I find really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the director was, the director was in the editing room for this one, clearly. Because yeah, he, yeah. Had, he had a path, and he wanted to make sure that we got all the information that happens to all of these people because of the moon. It's pretty obvious it's the moon. Yeah. <laughs> so we're back at the opera and can i just say if that's the set and it's like actually on a theater set that is a beautiful theater set 
Oh my God, the opera in New York is ridiculous. They, they, they spend millions of dollars on the set. That doesn't surprise me. I've just never been to the opera. I've only gone once. It's not my jam, but it's definitely an experience and you should, you should go once in your life. And just, uh, you know, if you can, just pick one that you know the plot to because otherwise you'll be lost. Because you cannot, you won't understand. You can't understand the lyrics. They're always in Italian or, or another language, or sometimes Spanish. You know, depending on what um, where, but mostly Italian. So knowing what they're singing about, but you know, like there's always a libretto um, that you can read before. That's why you should always get to the opera early, so so you can get the plot line and you know exactly what's going to happen and when. So good to know. Tips for the opera. So Loretta is starting to get tears in her eyes ronnie moves his hand slowly and they hold hands and then ronnie kisses loretta's hand they look at each other the slowest turn (laughs) ever that turn took like five seconds for them to look at each other i mean it was beautiful but it took forever and i was like look at each other i've already written the note look at each other i didn't even pause the movie i just typed (laughs) i guess they wanted to show that there's real genuine affection, you know, and then there's confusion and, and, and genuine, genuine affection going on right there. Like, again, edited know. beautifully. I love well, here's, it. Here's another. Here's another <laughs> so she's going to the opera. She's never been to the opera. Um, she doesn't dress, you know, like she doesn't dress up to anything. Um, she probably has nice clothes, but she completely transformed herself for this one evening. She got her hair done. She got her nails done. She got her eyebrows waxed, which is big for an Italian woman because we got some bushy eyebrows. And then she buys a new dress. She buys shoes. So it's like she completely transformed for this evening. Why? And it's, again, like I said, screen is, <laughs> the screen is dripping with subtext at that moment. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> so, and again, it's, it's a love story. So you're, you're going to see how things develop for each person. Yeah. And, you know, Loretta has tears down her face. Then I had a note. I have no idea what's happening in this opera. I really hope it doesn't become relevant later. <laughs> uh, that's the moment where, uh, where in the opera, the lead actress has tuberculosis and she's about to die. Boom. So, Sounds so that's, good. That's why it's emotional. So, yeah. I mean, literally the next scene is Loretta calls it awful, beautiful, sad that she died. She had tuberculosis. <laughs> And then Loretta stops talking, and she sees Cosmo. She goes over, asks what he's doing here. Cosmo tells Mona to wait by the doors. Cosmo points out Ronnie, and then pulls Loretta aside. Aside, Cosmo is more worried about Loretta's hair than anything. He's like, what did you do to your hair? (laughs) And Cosmo says, who's that guy? You're engaged, Loretta. And you're married, and you're my daughter. I won't have you act like a putana. (laughs) <laughs> is putana the same Poor, word as, but, as puta? Puta, puta, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I figured. You ever had? You ever hear of speaking of my cookbook? Uh, putanesca sauce, the sauce no. of the ladies of the night. Basically, it was to lure customers to the brothel. So Ooh. putanesca of the puta. So we got a it, fun little sauce, apparently. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> it's one of my favorites. I don't like anchovies, but some people put anchovies in it. But it's it's spicy and it has it has lots of olives and 
uh, and capers in it. It's just this rich, dark red sauce with red wine. It's really just fantastic. Nice. But my, it was one of my one of my grandmother's favorite. The, my, my grandmother was the most Sicilian woman you're ever going to meet. She was four foot eleven. She had five feet of jet black hair that she tied up in a bun on the top. And she always was in a black skirt, white shirt, and a black sweater, just in case a funeral was in town. She'd be ready. And she was like this whole, like the holier than thou grandma, you know. But she also was very known for this putanesca sauce, which is very irony is that the sauce that she's well known from comes from brothels. So, darn. <laughs> anyway, so. Cosmo says, all right, I didn't see you here. You didn't see me here. And Loretta's just like, I don't know if I saw you here or what. She just seems confused. Cosmo tips his hat, walks away. And Ronnie says, let's get out of here. Loretta's upset. But she knew. Rose told her. And I was like, well, I guess it is different seeing it and just being told something that you don't actually believe. So, yeah, it hits her hard. So, we're back with Rose. Speaking of Rose, she's with the professor. They've reached the house. And the professor calls it a mansion. He lives in a one-bedroom apartment. Professor says, I guess you can't invite me in. There are probably people home. And Rose says, no, the house is empty, but I can't invite you in because I'm married. She knows who she is. And I'm like, yes! Yeah. Good for you, Rose. Good for you. You know who you are. Like I said earlier, Italian woman, you know, if the husband, if the husband is gone, they usually don't date. It just like, it's just a thing. Like they, they, one for life is kind of like the way that they look at it. But in Rose's case, she's like, she took, a, she veered off by, le- by letting this man chat with her and being enthralled by him. But, it, you know, her own personal beliefs are i'm married this is who i am you can't come in and that's it so yeah and i mean you can still see in the scenes that we've had with rose and cosmo like she's known that she's having that he's having this affair but you can still see that she does love him oh absolutely and i think she knows that he loves her and it's like, okay. And you see how easily it's resolved later as well. Well, yes. not easy, but we'll see how it's resolved later. But, like, that that shows you that difference of, you know, if it, this is... We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So, um, but the professor is shivering. He's cold. And Rose says, you're a little boy and you like to be bad. <laughs> and the professor says, we can go to my apartment. You can see how the other half lives. Rose says... She's too old for him, and Professor is too old for him. That's his predicament. (laughs) And (laughs) I laughed at that one. Rose kisses him on the cheek, allows the Professor to do so as well. I like that he asked her, can I give you a kiss on the cheek goodnight? Right. We respect the man. Finally, he's a gentleman. (laughs) Finally, he's a gentleman? Well, I mean, he didn't do anything ungentlemanly earlier. He just asked out his student. Right. You Which, know, like, also, wasn't necessarily ungentlemanly. It was just, like, you know, maybe uh, bad morals, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> but also, if you think about it, Rose probably hasn't been kissed by another man. 
even on the cheek, other than her husband and maybe her father. That's and it. maybe her brother. That's the only other person maybe. that I'd give it. Yeah, maybe. But this is the first physical affection that she's actually shown by anybody. There's no mm-hmm. hugging. There's no kissing between her and Cosmo, Loretta. There's no. There's not no. Phys- it's the first time that she's like. But she she know at this point I found in the movie she knows who she is and therefore she's going to either fight for what is hers or you know she that's it gives her the ammunition for later. You mm-hmm. know I mean? yeah, 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 totally. So, but as she's going up, I mean, she does look smitten. Like it was a lovely evening, and she was like, "Okay." It kind of feels like that's the end, and I was like, "Okay." Like, this is the end of that little story, and it was just, she met this guy, she had a lovely time, but then she made her decision on, I'm gonna fight for my marriage. Right. Which is fine. And it was the right decision for her, that doesn't mean that it's the right decision for other people. Yeah. In this story, it was. In this story, it was the right decision for her. So, we're back with the jazz music. Loretta and Ronnie are at a bar. Ronnie asks, what do you want to do? Loretta wants to go home. And so we're outside. Loretta complains that it's cold and reveals that Rose guessed about the affair, but that Mona is some cheap goods. (laughs) I was like, that is not a way to talk about someone. I mean, sure, yeah, you might think that, but like, you know, she is also saying this not to her face. So like, you know, right there. Um, and I was, but then I also was like, you're not one to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're not exactly doing something perfect. So, exactly. Ronnie asks, what's the matter? Loretta says, how can you ask me that? And I'm like, it's pretty clear, Ronnie. She's upset that her dad's cheating on her mom. Right. And she feels guilty about this whole situation with you. And Ronnie says that she's making him feel guilty as well. And Loretta says they're both guilty. And Ronnie says, of what? Only God can point the finger. Okay. Yeah. And sure, I don't know. I didn't really get that line all that well. Um, but You know, only God can judge you is the way that it is. Oh, it, okay. You know, sure. So. And then Ronnie hits her with this. You tell me my life, I'll tell you yours. And we're about to go on a trip. (laughs) (laughs) And so he goes, I'm a wolf. You run to the wolf in me. That don't make you no lamb. You're going to marry my brother. Why do you want to cut your life short? Playing it safe, just about the most dangerous thing a woman like you could do. I mean, you waited for the right man the first time. Why didn't you wait for the right man again? The response is, you didn't come. And Ronnie says, I'm right here. Loretta's like, you're late. And I'm like, well, okay. Like, slow down. Like, that's not fully his fault over here. Like, sure, part of it is that he didn't put himself out there again. But also at the same time, like, Loretta, hold on. Like, you could have walked into that bakery and you didn't. Yeah. Like, you've known. I think what he was, what what she was, (laughs) you know, pointing out was, is that, you know, he says you wait you know you waited down for the right man to come and she says he didn't come and then he said i'm right here and she said you're late and then so it's like 
you know, she had been through all of this shit, and then all of a sudden, the perfect man comes around through this whole at the wrong story. time. At the wrong time, exactly. It's never at the right time. No, no matter who you are, it's never the right time. No, no, of course not. So Loretta realizes that this is Ronnie's place, and that this is where they were going. Ronnie's just like, "Yep," <laughs> and. Loretta says they had a deal. I go to the opera with you, and you leave me alone forever. And she went with him, and she's going to marry Johnny, and Ronnie will leave her alone. And then she says this, a person can see where they have messed up and change the way they do things and change luck. Fair enough. Yeah. And loretta says that she can say yes to some things no to other things that are going to ruin everything she can do that and i was like no you can't (laughs) and loretta asks what good is this stupid life god gave us for what and at first i was like ronnie's not listening and she's like you're not listening to me and ronnie's like no i am apparently he's listening didn't really feel like he was but maybe he was and everything just seems like nothing to him now. He just wants her against his bed. He doesn't care if they burn in hell. The past, the future is now a joke. And they are nothing, nothing there. Only thing here is you and me. And I had my notes, this is truly living in the moment. Mm-hmm. Which... Finally, finally she's living Finally, in we're living in the moment. And that's, I believe, the lesson of the... Mo- that's like the moral. Before yeah. The end. The moral is, you know, live in the moment because you know it could be gone. Look, and that's the thing as actors, that's what we're taught a lot, and yeah. it's you have to be living in the moment. You can't be thinking about what's your line that's in three lines. You have to just live in the moment, and if you're in the moment, that's when the audience actually is like, "Oh, that's captivating." Right. Because the audience is dying for that. The audience wants that so bad because they 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 see themselves. That's exactly. why it's so powerful. And that's why I love this part of the movie too because it's like, you know, yeah, you can sleep with the brother of your fiancé and find, you know, a, a, an amazing experience. You know, and also it makes you question, why am I with this fiancé? You know, or why am I in this in this predicament? And I'm not living in the mo- in the moment. I've been, you know, like like I said, she she hadn't hadn't been never been to the opera. She's never she hasn't had her hair done. Her hair's gone gray. So her life is going going uh, you know nowhere. So this was her stepping out of her comfort zone and living in the moment. And it yeah. just happened. She happened to find Ronnie's brother. <laughs> so look, Johnny's I mean, brother. like yeah, Johnny's brother. She found Ronnie. And I mean, even in day to day life, when you find when when you are truly living in the moment, you don't realize it. You never do. Like, it's hard to kind of realize it for me, at least like when I'm truly living in the moment, I'm just like, yeah, like this is fun. I'm not really thinking about anything else. And those moments are really beautiful when you look back at it because you're like, yeah, like I didn't have a care in the world. Like I was just enjoying myself. So, yeah. That's what we strive to do. So Loretta says that she wants to go home. She's freezing to death. Ronnie says, come upstairs. He doesn't care why. And Ronnie tells Loretta he loves her. And in my notes, I was like, it's been 24 hours. And then I clocked, wait a minute. You told her you loved her after about 18 hours. So really, (laughs) nothing's changed. So, and not what they 
tell you what love is. Love don't make things nice. It ruins everything. It breaks your heart. It makes things a mess. And nothing, not here to make things perfect. Snowflakes and stars are perfect. Not us. Not humans. Which is another beautiful thing of like, we aren't perfect. We're always evolving and always learning. And yeah, you're gonna make mistakes. Just learn from them. Exactly. And when you go back to the confession scene, it's like she confessed that she made a mistake, but who knew it was the right mistake? You know, we don't know if it's the right mistake yet, but every now and again, you make a right mistake because, right. you know, you know, you hear it all the time. Hey, how did you end up doing this? Um, well, I accidentally showed up to like the wrong meeting room and then that just seemed interesting and I was too awkward to say anything. And now I'm successful in this field instead. Right. Like, you hear those stories all the time of, like, yeah, I just accidentally did this. Or, like, I didn't mean for this to happen, but, like, I kind of lucked my way into finding this kind of thing. Exactly. So, yeah. So, we are here to ruin ourselves and break our hearts, love the wrong people, and die. Story books are bullshit. That's the ending of that. Again, beautiful. And then he just says, will you come upstairs with me and get in my bed? Loretta is crying, she's smiling, she's smitten, and then they head upstairs. <laughs> Wee! And then we suddenly jump to some engines and some flashing lights, and I'm like, oh, Johnny's back. <laughs> and <laughs> yes! <laughs> the next scene is the airplane landing. Right, right, right. Now I yeah. remember it. <laughs> and then the baggage check is putting on, like, chalk on, like, the bags or something. Yes. Do you know what that is? What, what, um, what is that? It's customs, so that they've been checked. Oh, okay. They used, okay. To check, they used to check your bag with an X with chalk, so that you 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 know they've checked your bag. You're good to go. So okay, okay, cool. So we see a man grab two suitcases that obviously have zero weight in them. Hey, guess what? It's Johnny. But also back to the suitcases. It doesn't make sense. Why don't people put like a little bit of weight in the suitcase to make it a little bit realistic? That yeah. there is something in the suitcase because he swings those things around so willy nilly. Like there's no way that he actually packed those with anything but like air. Yeah, I mean that's props. I mean that's just like you know what are you gonna do? You know who knows how many takes they had on that scene too. So you know you're throwing around a heavy suitcase. You know I'm not saying air. heavy. I'm just saying, like, put some clothes into it. Like, just a yeah, few yeah, just items. Make it, make it normal. Just make it have, like, a little bit of weight. Like, you know, put, like, right. five five kilograms or something, or, like, five pounds, or, like, maybe ten, which, like, isn't a lot of weight for a full-grown, fairly fit adult like Johnny looks like he is. Or the actor who's playing Johnny, I don't actually know his name. Uh, but, like... He seems like a guy who can probably pretty easily lift about 10 pounds in each hand. Yeah. Fun fact, Madonna's music video for Papa Don't Preach, guess who Papa is? Danny Aiello. Who? <laughs> Johnny from there, New York. There we go. Yeah. So he's heading to 19 Cranberry Street in Brooklyn. And Johnny gets into the cab. He leaves his bag on the curb, yells, hold it. The tires screech. We come back. We get the bags. We get to the, we get to apparently this 19 Cranberry Street and the cab ride was $25. I was curious. So I did some inflation checking. That's about $61.63 yep. in today's money, which actually 
is not that bad for a cab no, ride. No, no, to Brooklyn the airport to Brooklyn. Um, the, he probably because <laughs> he probably flew uh, into JFK, which is further out. Probably is, it was a flight yeah. from Italy, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, I live right next to LaGuardia Airport, so okay, I'm, I'm, I'm literally like five minutes. Like I could walk to LaGuardia if I wanted to. <laughs> But yeah, so um, but JFK, you know, back then that would have been a that would have been a really long cab ride, especially to Brooklyn. And this funny part, I think I told you this, but someone on my Facebook page lives on that corner of Cranberry Street, like the stairs that Cher comes down. That's her apartment. So oh wow, I'm okay. definitely going to make a pilgrimage and take a picture on those stairs, and I'll send it to you. <laughs> Please do, and then I'll post it on the Instagram and yeah. be like, hey, look at what my very amazing <laughs> guest did for extra credit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm still I'm still eager. I'm probably I won't see her until October, but I'm still okay. eager to talk to Anita. Anita Gillette uh, who played Mona. So that's I, I can't wait to to like because now that we've had this conversation, I've watched the movie several times. It's just like even though she was a prolific, you know, a peripherally proliferant character. Whatever, but whatever that word is, I don't speak English very well. But she was small, proliferate, prolific, prolific, prolific. There we go. Small. She was a small character. She still had that experience in the opera with you know with with Cosmo and and uh, you know all and all of those all of those moments with you know like doing the scene with Cher in the bathroom. You know, so I'm just very curious what that set was like, and I just love to pick her brain. Yeah, yeah. She's and she and Cher and Nick Cage are the only three I think from the main cast that are still alive. So I think that's what we deduced. But yeah. yeah. So we get there. The cab drives off. Johnny yells, "Hold it!" He gets his bags, and he's not very happy with the driver. But here's the thing: Johnny kept closing the door to the cab. Which is kind of like the universal signal that like you're ready to go. Yeah, right. Really, it's on Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, don't close the door to a cab before you're ready to leave. Right. So Johnny arrives at the house and Rose jokes and asks if he's moving in. Johnny's like terrified. He's like, "No, I came from right right from the airport." And Rose just lets him in. And Johnny asks to see Loretta. She's not home, and Rose doesn't know when he will be, but says, come to the living room, and... You know, I want to talk to you! I want to <laughs> talk to you. And I had in here, I was like, wow, his mother died very fast. Also, didn't stay to do, like, the funeral or anything. <laughs> like, okay. And then I was like, it would be funny. It would be sad, but it would be funny if Johnny told his mom that he was getting married and then she died right after. Right. We'll see what happens. So Johnny looks at his watch like, what? And Rose just says she wants to talk to him. And then Rose asks him, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Palermo. And then Johnny came to tell Loretta that there has been a miracle. And Rose is just like, a miracle? Wow, that's news. In, like, the most monotone, sarcastic voice possible. And I'm like, I love you so much, Rose. (laughs) You are amazing. So, the mother has recovered. He's not kidding. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I was immediately wrong, and she's dead. (laughs) (laughs) But 
The breath almost completely left her body. She was white as snow. And then she completely pulled back from death and stood up and put on her clothes, began to cook for everyone in the house, the mourners, Johnny, herself. And Rose just doesn't look thrilled or just really doesn't care. It's one of the two. And I would lean on just doesn't care what Johnny really has to say. She's like, I'll be polite, but I... You'll get my polite face. <laughs> so... Johnny says that she ate a meal that could choke a pig. And I was like, that's a big meal? <laughs> like, unless it's a tiny pig, like in Charlotte's Web. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty big meal. I don't even remember the pig's name. I just remember Charlotte's Web. And that Charlotte was Wilbur. the spider. Wilbur! There we go. It's been a yeah. long time since I read that, that book. traumatized me as a kid. Fair. <laughs> I definitely watched it. I do not remember it. So yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's it's beautiful, but it's like, whoa, that's hit yeah. you over the head. Fair. So we hear the door. There's a small commotion. It's the old man and the dogs. Rose greets him, saying hi, pop, which is like the most energy we've seen from Rose in a while. And he just dismisses her in disgust. And Johnny asks if everything's all right. It's fine. The father-in-law's just got the wrong idea in his head. Which fair enough. He did see what he saw, but Rose is like, look. Like, he saw what he saw, but he has the wrong idea. I had met a nice man. He offered to walk me home. And so I walked home with him, and that was that. Like, that was the end of it. Right. So, like, you know, she did nothing wrong. She just met the company of somebody. They offered to walk her home. She accepted. That was it. Like, right. there was nothing more. So Rose wants Johnny to tell her the truth if she can, if he can, and asks her the same question. Is why do men chase women? And Johnny says there's a Bible story. And in my notes, I was like, is there? <laughs> and he actually has a pretty ingenious response. He says, God took a rib from Adam and made Eve. Now, maybe men, who, men chase women to get the rib back. When God took the rib, he left a big hole there. And he shows where a heart would be in the ribs. And he says, a place where there used to be something and the women have it. Now, maybe, just maybe, a man isn't complete as a man without a woman. It's a beautiful, beautiful answer to her question. And then Rose asks a follow-up. Why would a man need more than one woman? And John says, I don't know, maybe because he fears death. That's it. Rose perks up and she's like, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's the I reason. <laughs> she knew. And Rose is genuinely happy she's like oh thank you johnny thank you for answering my question and then cosmo walks in oh it's everybody cosmo Ooh. walks in and just says hello johnny says hello and then cosmo clocks him says hello awkwardly and then rose asks back to being stone cold face rose she goes cosmo where have you been cosmo doesn't know where he has been or where he is going to go and rose just nods like she knows and i was like cosmo if you're gonna have the affair, at least try to hide it. Come up with a lie. Do something. That's just, there's zero effort. He's also, you know, like, maybe he wants to get caught. I think he does. And if he wants to get caught because there's something wrong in the marriage, he, like I said, Italian people don't talk about feelings mm. they don't express except through anger 
they don't want to talk about it. So <laughs> he may be doing this in hopes that he gets tripped in his subconscious mind. It's not like you set out to get caught, but in hopes that he gets caught to fix the relationship or end the relationship. Somehow, subconsciously, he could be doing it deliberately. We don't know. Okay. Okay. So Cosmid tells Johnny, he looks at him directly and says, keep your eyes open here. Johnny's like, they are open. Cosmo, stick around. Don't go on any long trips. Yeah. Johnny's just confused. Um, and Cosmo's like, Cosmo knows this. That's the point. He won't say no more. And Johnny's <laughs> just like, you haven't said anything. <laughs> Rose tells Cosmo, again, very stoic, very cold-hearted kind of not cold-hearted but like cold face like no emotion just stoic and she's like no matter what you do you're gonna die just like everybody else cosmo says thank you i'm going to bed now and his face is like all screwed up almost like he's like a cartoon villain mm -hmm. and rose again is just stoic of i wrote in my notes she's done with him but as we've been talking about this and analyzing it a bit i don't think she's done with him i think it's just she knows i'm not losing you to this woman right she just needs cosmo to wake up getting you know first of all mm -hmm. getting she says to the professor i think men cheat because they fear death and then when Ron, when Johnny comes in and says it. And says the same thing. And confirms what she's been thinking all along. Cosmo's trying to, trying to you know, relive his youth. He doesn't, he doesn't want to die. He, so that's where Rose comes in. So Yeah. But, so, yeah. It was just an, another beautiful quick scene where you kind of just see Rose have that power. You see Rose... Kind of get her satisfaction. I feel like Rose's story, other than Rose probably, like, at this point I was like, Rose is going to get Cosmo to stop cheating. But, like, that's kind of, like, a lot of her arc is done at this point. Yeah. A lot of, like, I feel like the growing is done. Like, she's at her final place. She just has to get everybody else to that final place, almost, is how I feel like at, at this As point. As a matriarch, that's your job. Yeah. Like, she has figured out her problem. And now it's time to help the others. Right. But she had to sort herself out before she could sort the others out or try to help the others right. or anything. So John says that he's also going to go. And Rose just goes, Cosmo doesn't like you. But thanks him for answering the question. Again, she's genuinely happy. She's like, thank you so much. And Rose doesn't know where Loretta is, but agrees to tell her that Johnny will be around in the morning. And Johnny says like, hey, I really need to talk to her. And as Johnny's leaving, Rose looks longingly up the stairs, and Johnny goes to leave, but he comes back for the suitcases, so again, it's not the cab driver's fault, it's Johnny's fault, he forgets them here too, and then he picks them up and walks straight into the door. Hello everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode, and welcome to the intermission. Now, 
before anything gets started, I did want to just let you all know that be sure to follow us on social media at Post Finale Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter because some changes are coming to Post Finale. All good things, but I will be slowly updating throughout the next month of what's going on over there and the changes that are happening slowly, but don't worry, it's all for the good. But if you want to learn more, I will be posting there a bit more on explaining what is going on and what changes are coming soon. Now, if you would like to support the show on Patreon and gain access to bonus content, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com postfinale, signing up for any of the tiers, you gain access to bonus content, and any of the money that you put into the Patreon it goes directly back into this show to help make it a better show. So thank you t- for that. And be sure, word of mouth is a great way to help out the show as well if you want to help out in a non-monetary way. Just talk about the show, tell friends about the show. It really does help, and it really does mean a lot to me. So thank you to anyone who has done this or will do this in the future. And for now, let's get back to talking about Moonstruck and seeing how all of this is going to play out. I'm intrigued. Let's go. So, we are... Back at Ronnie's, and now it's the morning, and La Boheme is still playing, and I'm like, do you not get tired of, you just went to, you were listening to it earlier, and then you went to the opera, and now you're listening to it again, but I guess it is the same thing of, like, if I'm going to a music concert, I'm like, I want to, like, listen to the music beforehand, and, like, you know, refresh my memory of the music if the artist has stuff out that, like, I know that I love. And then, like, I'll go, I'll experience the concert, and then when I come back, I want to listen to it and, like, you know, listen to the music and be like, yeah, like, I still have that fun feeling. So, like, I guess I get it. But also, like, okay. (laughs) So, Loretta's walking down the street. It's an empty street. She's playing Kick the Can, a very underrated game, but a very (laughs) fun game. A game that I wish you could play more often in the city. Yeah, anymore. <laughs> I grew up in suburbs. You're like, you don't and... recycle. <laughs> well, not even like kick the can, but like we would play like kick the rock. Like we right. would legitimately just pick like a rock and we'd just right. kick it. But I grew up in suburbs. And so like we could walk and walking in the middle of the street wasn't a dangerous thing. Right, right. It takes me 10 minutes to get to London Bridge. I live quite close to London. Like, yeah, it's it's dangerous to be in the middle of the street <laughs> and just walking. <laughs> so, doesn't work. But underrated game. She seems very happy though. She's blissful. And we have the opera music playing in the background. And I did appreciate this with the movie making aspect. I like how they used that piece of music and La Boheme as the majority of this movie's soundtrack, I think. Yeah. A lot of the soundtrack just comes from playing that opera. And I'm sure that like they picked specific moments in that opera, and if you know the opera and you know the song and you know the lyrics that are being sung, each one fits perfectly with the meaning of what's going oh, on or Lob- some type of Lob-Lim, thing. Lobelim is a is a love story. Yeah, it's a love story. So there, you know, it's 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 all about that, and it's and whenever musical theater or opera, whenever you can't speak anymore, you sing, and so as far as the heightened emotion. So that's why musical theater is what it is, is that when the actor, when the emotion is so big that the actor can't speak it anymore, they have to sing it. 
So mm -hmm. it's a very emotional exchange. Even if you're not into opera, there's still a lot of power in storytelling. So yeah. And if you if you uh, I, if you do get a chance to actually watch Boboem or go to uh, Wikipedia and just read the plot line, I'm sure you will pick a hundred parallels to this movie. <laughs> I am sure. So Loretta glides into the kitchen. She's dancing, and Rose is just standing there watching her. And she's like, "What the hell happened to you?" I love Rose so much. I have said this multiple times, but I love how she's not even like, I don't have time for any of this. Like, just where have you been? Like, what the hell? Like, what, what, what's going on? Um, and Loretta's like, I don't know where to start. And Rose is like, your hair is different. And she's like, Ma, everything's different. And Rose is just like, Loretta, are you drunk? No. R Loretta asks Rose, are you drunk? I appreciate that both of them are just like, look, there is the chance that it is the morning and you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like, it goes both ways. And Loretta's just like, are you drunk? And Rose is like, no, but I have a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the honesty. Cosmo's sleeping upstairs, and Rose then tells Loretta that Johnny showed up. And Loretta pricks up at this. She says, no, he's with his dying mother in Sicily. And... Rose explains, apparently, it was a miracle. And Loretta's like, a miracle? This is modern times. There ain't supposed to be miracles no more. <laughs> <laughs> and Rose comes back with possibly the best clapback in this entire film, I think. Is Rose going, well, I guess it ain't modern times in Sicily. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, Rose is on point with the sarcasm. And just, she's like... I'm not taking it. <laughs> like, I, I am the mother. I get the final word. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. And then just moving on to the next thing, Rose is like, you got a love bite on your neck. And I was like, aw, mm. that's so much nicer than what we call it, which is a hickey. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was you like, got a love bite on your neck. Put some makeup on that damn thing. Your life's going down the toilet. <laughs> yep, that's pretty much what happens next. And Loretta's like, but you gotta help me. And then uh, the doorbell rings and everyone freezes. Loretta tells Rose, answer the door. And Rose is like, no. And Loretta's like, answer the door. Rose finally goes and answers the door. But hey, guess what? It's not Johnny. It's Ronnie. <laughs> Woo. And Rose invites him in. And I just feel like Rose is, like, the only one that knows that, like, all of this has to blow up eventually. So why not just let it blow up today? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's all gonna happen. Everyone's here. Let's just get it out in the open. She's not very happy about it, though. It doesn't seem like she's like, I don't want to be here. But it's gotta happen. She's like, it's not Johnny. Loretta pops out of... Was she in the food pantry? I think so, yeah. Okay. So, Loretta's changing in the food pantry. And Ronnie asks if Johnny's here. Not yet, but he's coming. And he's like, good, we can get it out on the table. And it's kind of Ronnie to introduce himself to Rose. He's just kind to her. He's just like, it's nice to meet you. And Rose is like, it's nice to meet you. You've got a love bite on your neck. <laughs> Same breath. 
Just, it was just, it's nice to meet you. You've got a love bite on your neck. Like, that was it. Like, there was no pause, like, no breath, like, nothing. Just same flow. <laughs> I like Rose. She's just like, I know, I know who you are. I've put this together by now. Oh, look, you've also got a love bite on your neck. Looks accusatorily at Loretta. Loretta's like, what do you want? Like, <laughs> Loretta's like, yeah, like, we, it's happened. <laughs> yeah, twice. Twice. <laughs> let's be honest there were more than two activities happening that on both of those nights um there was more than one activity on two different nights so rose isn't happy as she walks back into the kitchen and she pinches loretta as she passes as well and tells ronnie that his mother has recovered from death and ron ronnie's like oh good we're not close i'm not moved <laughs> like just Loretta's like Ronnie you have to leave and Ronnie's like no I'm here to meet the family and Rose just is like does anyone want any oatmeal Loretta's mm. like no ma and Ronnie yes Mrs. Castaroni <laughs> I would love some oatmeal Ronnie's killing it in this scene I love how he is just solely like look he's also has the same energy it has to be put out in the open it's got to be told to people so yeah. we might as well just be kind and accept free food I, I get I get his mental state. <laughs> it makes also, sense. Also, at that point, too, she didn't tell him to come to the house. He showed up. No, he showed up. He showed up, and it's like whether she likes it or not, he showed up. So, and I think she doesn't like it. But the reason that I would say that Ronnie showed up is because whatever resentment Ronnie does have for Johnny. I think now he's kind of forgiven him a bit. I think Loretta has made him realize that, like, it's been silly to hold a grudge over this for five years. When, you know, and now that he's woken up a bit from that slumber, pretty much, as Loretta called it, if I remember correctly. But now that he's woken up, he realizes that, like, yeah, it was a silly thing to have a grudge over for five years. And I can move on. And... You know, even if Loretta isn't ready, we need to tell Johnny because otherwise it's unfair to my brother. Right. So I think Ronnie's just come to that realization, which is why he showed up to the house, because he was like, look, I'm not going to hide this because in the end, if we do try to hide it, it's just going to hurt my brother whenever he finds out. I don't know about that. I think he's just there to claim his girlfriend. His See? His, it's like, I think that's why he's there. I don't think he... Fair. Has anything to do with Johnny? I think he's already taken Johnny out of the equation, and he's going to fight for his girl. Well, the reason that I don't think that he's taken Johnny completely out of the e equation is that he asks if Johnny's here, right? Already. Yeah, because he doesn't know. I mean, Johnny's supposed to be in Palermo, so yeah. So he doesn't know. So unless he heard them yelling about it. At the door, when he was at the door, probably not. But you never. But probably know. not. You never know. Again, so, this is subtle. The subtlety with this. Subtlety. So he moves into the kitchen, out of frame, and we see Cosmo, who's coming into the kitchen as well. Cosmo just says hello and sits, and Ronnie again says hello. Just a kind person, and Ooh. then everyone's just quiet, and Ronnie's like. You know, I have the feeling the food will be just delicious. And everyone just kind of looks at him and is like, shut up, dude. Cosmo seems to have clocked that Ronnie is 
Johnny's brother. And it takes him a second. Like, it's told, but it takes him a second. Then he looks at Loretta, who glances at him with the please shut up vibe, like, eyes of, like, don't say anything. You didn't see him at the opera. Don't say anything. Please don't. Dad, help. And then the old man walks in. And Cosmo's like, Pop, what's wrong? And this is the most that we really get from the old man, and it's beautiful. And he's like, I am old. Old people are not wanted. And they say it, and if they say it, they have no weight, but he must speak. And then he tells Cosmo, you must pay for the wedding of your only daughter. You break your house through your pride. There, I've said it. And then he sits down. And I think that last line especially, you break your house through your pride, is a very beautiful thing of like, yeah, like having pride is a good thing, but then there's a certain point where like you have to understand that like, you can't ruin relationships because of your pride. Right. Like, your pride isn't worth a good relationship. And, you know, yeah, for Cosmo, it's his wife and his daughter. Is Right. The old man is, is commenting on the argument that happened in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, of I don't want to pay for the... I'm not paying for the wedding. Right. You break your house through pride. The old He's man also must, referring no. to the affair. Right. And I think that's where, you know, he's been, he's been sort of subtly watching everything. The, he has seen the scene with Johnny. He has seen the scene with, uh, with, um, with Cosmo. He's seen, you know, he, he, he is the, oh, and, and Rose and uh, the professor. So he has been sort of this like, silent observer and and finally in english he's he says something at the in the at the table so yeah and i think it's beautiful because it's not just applicable to that argument right. with that last sentence of the pride and it's just you know hey like your pride which could have also been what led you to have this affair can break your home right. or like, don't let that be the thing to ruin the good in your life. Right. Let the world and all of its craziness be the thing to ruin the good in your life, but don't let your pride be the thing to stand in its way. Right. And also, <laughs> you know, one one quick note. If Cosmo is being uh, not so quiet about his affair, I'm sure the old man picked up on it, too. Oh, like, the old man knows. There's no way yeah. that the old man doesn't know. Right. They and all know. Yeah, everyone knows. Everyone knows. Cosmo says, it's okay. If she gets married, I'll pay for the whole thing. And Loretta looks happy and is like, thanks, Pop. With her eyes, she doesn't say anything. And then they start to eat. And Rose, who is the only one who isn't eating, just flat out, everyone's silent, just, have I been a good wife? Cosmo says, yes. And then... Rose just pauses a few more seconds and then says, I want you to stop seeing her. And then we see Loretta and Ronnie and both of them just look uncomfortable and they kind of just look like two kids who realize that a fight is about to happen, but like don't say anything or do anything that can potentially land you in the firing range of one of the insults that's like potentially going back and forth through this table. Like, you know, don't get in the way. Just sit back. And let it happen. Because if you get in the way, you're going to be collateral damage. Oh, yeah. And, you know, 
We've all been there. We've all been the collateral damage. It's not fun. Dishes fly. (laughs) (laughs) And this is such a strong scene. Just nothing spoken, really. Rose is just staring down Cosmo, who stands up, slams his hand on the table, sits back down, and says, okay. And Rose kind of perks up. And I, like, you know, there's a lot leading up to that that we've discussed. But I think it is a powerful moment where Cosmo, like, has to let out his anger, but also realizes, like, I've made a mistake. I've been caught. I've been caught. And, you know, lets out his anger. And then is like, okay. Like, you're not asking for anything more than just stop seeing her. Fine. Like, I've been caught. He doesn't try to deny it or anything, which I appreciate. And... Rose perks up, and then she goes, and you have to go to confession. And then Cosmo says, a man understands one day that his life is built on nothing, and that's a bad, crazy day. And Rose says that your life is not built on nothing. Diamo. Which is just a beautiful, beautiful little line. Which is true, his life isn't built on nothing. And... Cosmo looks lovingly at Rose, responds in Italian, not sure what he says, and then blows... Okay. Means I love you too. Beautiful. And he blows her a kiss. And then Rose, who looks kind of relieved in some way, looks at Loretta kind of with that look of like, look, I've done my part, now it's your turn. (laughs) And Loretta avoids eye contact. And then Johnny rings the bell. And Loretta and Ronnie are both going back and forth real quick. They're like, no, I should be the one to tell Johnny. I should be the one to tell Johnny. And Loretta says, no, it's me. But what do I tell him? And then Cosmo looks at her and just says, tell him the truth. They find out anyway. Which, at least it's good advice. Just tell her, tell him the truth. Right? And it's not Johnny, though. It's Rita and Raymond. And I was like, why are they sad? And Loretta is like, why aren't you at the store? And Rita and Raymond are like, well, we've just come from the bank. And I was like, oh, right, she never made the deposit. And Loretta realizes this at the exact same time and Mm -hmm. says, it's in my purse. And Rita and Raymond are ecstatic. They're happy. And she's like, oh, she's got it. I knew she had it. And then it's all resolved. No one's worried. (laughs) Like, it was just, oops, I forgot to go to the bank. It was so weird. We went (laughs) to the bank and no bag. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just like, Oh, whoops, like, fair enough. Like, we just, we forgot to make a deposit. Here's the money. And so, yeah, I was like, all right, like, cool. She's not using the money right. for for it. And it was just that. So, yeah. And it's all resolved. And Raymond was like, we never suspected you. Uh, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm like, look, the whole gang is here. Can Johnny please show up? And everyone's quiet. And Rita's just like, so what are we doing? and it's just like waiting for johnny and ronnie again introduces himself and raymond looks at cosmo who nods and loretta gives him the wide eyes of like cosmo shut up (laughs) (laughs) and pop looks confused and says someone tell a joke and ronnie chuckles at this and i was like i appreciate this it's awkward situations yay 
Bell finally rings. Rita goes and gets the door, and in comes Johnny. Johnny walks in, he sees everyone, he smiles at Loretta, and then notices Ronnie, and asks him if he's come to make peace with him. And, Ro- and Ronnie says yes. Rose looks slightly confused, and then Ronnie continues, but you may not want to. And Johnny says, of course I want to. And Loretta asks, how did your mother recover? Johnny told her that they were going to be married, and she got well right away, which means that my prediction was completely wrong. (laughs) So, (laughs) Ronnie says, I'm sure she did. And Loretta says that she needs to tell him something. Johnny says, I need to tell you something, but need to talk to you alone. And Loretta says, no, I need my family around me right now. And I was like, is Johnny gonna say that he can't marry her for some reason? And then I hit play. And Johnny says that he can't marry her because if he does, his mother will die. Yep. And Loretta's like, what the hell? We're engaged. And Ronnie's like, Loretta, what are you talking about? He's like, girl, like, listen, um, we're in the clear. Shut up. Don't say, like, just stop talking. Hold on. And Loretta's like, I'm talking about a promise. Johnny promised. And Johnny said he promised because his mother was dying and now she's not. And I was like, that's a stupid reason to have a promise. Ronnie seems to agree. He says, Johnny, you're 42, and she is still running your life. Johnny calls him the son who didn't love his mother. And Loretta calls him a big liar because she has a ring. And Johnny's like, yes, I must ask for that back. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, I love the lack of shame. And Loretta takes it off, throws it at him. And Johnny says, in time, you'll see that this is the best thing. And Loretta goes, in time, you'll drop dead and I'll come to your funeral in a red dress. <laughs> is coming in a red dress taboo or anything? It, it's usually the, usually the mistresses would show up in a red dress. Great. Okay. Again, of ladies of the night. Sure. So Ronnie, Ronnie, then, who has just kind of been silent while this whole argument has been happening. Ronnie just goes, Loretta. Will you marry me? And Johnny pops his head up while holding the ring, yelling, What? And Loretta goes, Well, where's the ring? And then Ronnie just very casually looks at Johnny and goes, Can I borrow your ring? (laughs) And Johnny gives it to him. And then Ronnie asks if Loretta will marry him. She says, Yes, in front of all these people, I'll marry you. And I was like, She didn't make him get down on a knee. Which shows you she truly loves him. Right. And then I hit play again. And Rose goes, do you love him, Loretta? Aw, ma, I love him awful. And then Rose is like, oh, God, that's too bad. (laughs) (laughs) When you love him, it'll drive you crazy. (laughs) When you love him, it'll drive you crazy. Because they know you can. Because they know they can. Right. And Pop is crying. And Cosmo's like, what's wrong? And he's like, I'm confused. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel you, Pop. I feel you. And we pop the champagne. Everyone's celebrating. And Johnny's by the door. He's alone. And Pop is the one that goes over and invites him. And he says, it's your brother. And Johnny's like, no, no, no. I don't want to intrude. And Pop is just like, don't you realize you're part of the family, whether you like it or not. Right. And pretty much forces him in of like, look. Yeah, things aren't going the way that you planned, but you're part of this family, whether you like it or not. So be part of this family. Like, what's happened has happened. Ignore that. Just be part of this family. And 
as dysfunctional and crazy as it is. <laughs> yeah, you're you're one of us. And they cheer and we pan away. We have the opera music come back in and we pan through the house. And the movie ends with us looking at a couple of pictures. We have the little kids. Are they anything specific? Do you know? No, I just think they were just fam random family pictures. But the last focus is... Is great. on this old man and old woman in a picture. Right. Is there any significance on that one? That would be one of their great-grandparents, probably, or even their parents at that age. Okay. So it could be, you know, those, it's definitely a picture from the old country, and uh, it's definitely, like, turn of the century. So it would be, it would definitely be, like, the significance would be that, you know, they don't talk about that, but I think the guts of following, the, you know, zooming in on that photo is kind of like the photo I showed you in the last, yeah. in the last episode of my great-grandparents and it's like that's a la familia you know it's like that's the, to the family this is what our ancestors set out to do and they and and the moon created this magical evening and that's yeah what i mean it is an absolutely beautiful film i have loved it and there is so much subtext this is a beautiful film to look at from the acting perspective as oh, well yes. Like, some of the films that I've seen, like, again, great acting, but you don't, it doesn't jump off the page at you, because there might be, like, other theatrics, or sometimes even the storyline is super interesting, or, you know, complex, or whatever. But, like, this one, it's a very simple storyline. Yeah. It's just beautiful acting. Yeah, and they always, but the, the, the movie doesn't take itself it takes itself seriously, but it doesn't take itself too seriously so you can enjoy the farcical nature of family dynamics. And that's where I love about it, what I love about yeah. it. I grew up with these crazy people. Like I had the, the stoic grandmother. I had the stoic mother. I had the crazy, you know, person who wanted to, you know, like my own mother went against tradition and, you know, in, in, in the ways that you would normally see you know families are very family dynamics are very strange um but yeah, yeah. and i th i mean i just i just really loved spending sp spending time w watching the movie through somebody else's eyes too which is really fantastic yeah it was really fun so a couple of quick just things that how the movie did and stuff like that it uh -huh. got a 7.1 out of 10 on imdb it has a 92 percent on rotten tomatoes and it was nominated for 19 different nominations. It had 18 wins out of the 19 nominations across multiple different awards, including Best Picture. It yep. was the nominee. In, these are for the Oscars. It, won the, it was a nominee. Cher won Best Actress. And... Best Actress in a Supporting Role was Olympia Dukakis. As Rose. That yeah. was Rose. And then you had Best Director, which was also a nominee. And then you had Best Writing for Screenplay, written directly for screen on for John Patrick yes. Shenley. And yeah. so it won three Oscars. It won tons of awards the baftas all, all as always i'll include the imdb link yeah yeah it did absolutely incredible in the box office and everything like that oh, and yeah. you know 
it was made on a budget of 15 million it box office 122.1 million so like a right. huge box office hit fantastic fantastic movie do you have any final thoughts on it? It, it it's so funny when people ask me about you know like what's my favorite movie and why and the reason i love this movie so much and i've said this before is it encapsulates the the family dynamic of a dysfunctional family in a way that is so entertaining you love you end up loving them which is why we go why why in our own dysfunctional family dynamics we tend to still love our family it the, you know and in in my cookbook which is not out yet it's called escape to ravioli mountain a memoir in food it's about my time living with my sicilian grandmother in the 1970s so the chapters are food, are all the recipes but in between are little slices of my family's dynamic. And I've always been attracted to this movie because to me, it's like Moonstruck meets A Christmas Story. Those two types of movies. I don't know if you ever watched A Christmas Story, but if you get a chance to see A Christmas Story, it's another one from the 1980s that is a cult classic. They play it for 24 hours on Christmas time on uh, every year it's like it, it, the movie runs every uh, every two hours it just keeps running but it is such a slice of americana and moonstruck is a slice of americana of italian americana so if you smoosh them together that was my upbringing and so i'm like these people like you know the way rose is making the toad in a hole um my aunt jenny no matter what time of day it was i would pop if we popped into her house she's like sit down i'll make you some eggs and boom there'd be a toad in the hole on the on the plate within minutes and that was the family dynamic i grew up with so it's such a it always gives me a warm fuzzy in the heart because i i none of my you know very few family members left from that generation at least so just like the movie there are very few actors that are left from the film so i i really do i think i said i think anybody who has, is skeptical and just wants to feel good fun movie to try out something that you've never seen before um and if you've seen it watch it again because i think it's a i just think it's a classic and um the more the more the classics are out there the better so. yeah i definitely recommend this for anyone if you've gotten this far and haven't seen the film thanks for yeah. listening but go watch the film it's definitely worth it yeah yeah, Bobby, thank you so much for joining on all of these episodes. It has been a blast. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, really if people want to find you on the internet doing things, how do they get access to you, books, things like that? <laughs> my, my, well, first of all, you can find me uh, at Bobby Hedgeland Taylor on Instagram and TikTok. Um, I don't do the Twitter or the threads, but you can find me on those too. Platforms, and you can also find me on Twitter or on um, TikTok and Instagram at Escape to Ravioli Mountain. I have two accounts, and then the book is up on Amazon. You must use the hashtag "Shit My Mama Says" to search for it. Otherwise, you won't. The book book title won't come up. It is hashtag Shit My Mama Says, and I'll send you a link if you can post that in there. That'd be great. Yeah, and I'll then, definitely leave it in the description. Again, my book is just it's a it's a little love letter to my mom. My mom died of uh, dementia during COVID, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, it's just about, my, first of all, this little story in the beginning about our journey, but my mom had dementia and all of the quotes that we had in our interactions together, the later part of her life are each page is a different interaction with my mom. So 
um, it's it's out there. It's doing well for a self-published book, and um, I'm proud of it. It's 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 simple in its design. It's not meant to be um, Brecht or War and Peace. It's just this sweet little uh, encapsulation of the pandemic plus my mother's sense of humor. So I love and, that. Well. For any listeners that want to find that book, I'll definitely leave a link down in the description. Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. Until next week, I will catch you all later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Post Finale. Post Finale is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. Our editor is Pranav Nair. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison. And the art is by Jared Rother. If you would like to gain access to bonus content, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash postfinale and signing up for any of the tiers. Signing up for any of the tiers gains you access to different types of bonus content and... You will also be helping the show because any of the money that is put into the Patreon goes directly back into making this show a better show for you, the listeners. If you want to help out in a non-monetary way, you can do so by just word of mouth. It really does help. Word of mouth is the best way to help grow the show. And thank you to everyone who has done it and to anyone who will do it in the future. But just reach out and be like, hey, you love movies. Go check out this podcast. The host is funny and silly and goes on rants about things that don't actually mean anything but it's a good time and we're all here for a good time and so check it out it really does mean a lot and once again thank you to anyone who has done this or will do this in the future be sure to follow us on at post finale pod on social media on instagram facebook and twitter it really does help out the show and some updates about the changes that are coming soon will be announced via social media so if you want to keep up to date on what's going on with the show you can go over there and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode it really does mean a lot and thank you for sticking around for this journey as we go through moonstruck now that we're finally done with moonstruck and we're getting into october i thought it was only fitting that we do some halloween themed stuff so starting next week we were talking about the rocky horror picture show so be sure to strap in it's a good time but be sure to tune in next week and until then i'll catch y'all later <laughs>